This is episode 13, The Beacon. This must be pretty exciting for you, hey, Wyatt? What's that? How long you been walking the mountain? Mm, Gotta be 25 or 30 years, I guess. Let's say 30 years. And you walk the mountain maybe once every week, week and a half? Thereabouts. Nicole, you've been going to the Beacon for a few years yourself now. Shouldn't you know how often you go up there? To make it easy, let's just say every 12 days. How on earth is that making it easy? 365 days a year is about 360, and 360 over 12 is 30. So 30 trips a year times 30 years is 900 trips. I fail to see the excitement. Me too. I hate this job. But this trip is at least a little bit more exciting than normal. What with the new walker and all. How often have you gone with a new walker? I don't know, Nicole. Not often. Would you be quiet for a minute? You're giving me a headache and we haven't even started yet. Admit it, why? You'd be devastated if we were separated. I don't know about that. Well, don't worry about it. I'll just chat with the rookie. This isn't for leisure, you know. She'll need to learn the ins and outs and how to defend herself in case the beacon goes out. Ooh, in case the beacon goes out. The town of Rolling Hill sits deep in a forest, nestled between three mountains. At the top of the tallest mountain sits the beacon, a flame made possible by the courageous and continuous efforts of the walkers, like Wyatt and Nicole and their new partner. The walkers make the difficult trek with oil and other supplies to maintain the beacon's light every two days. Lest the creatures living on the mountainsides no longer repulsed by the beacon, invade Rolling Hill and make this hollow into a dark valley. Rookie! Why are we knocking on your door? Why are you not outside anticipating our arrival? We are on a tight schedule. My apologies. I was making final preparations. Eh, don't sweat it. I'm Nicole. This is Wyatt. Pleasure. I'm Heather, and the honor is all mine. I was thrilled when I learned my first real trip would be with our most seasoned walking team. I've only walked the mountain in training during daylight with modified equipment. I'm sure this will be a tremendous experience. Prepare to be disappointed. You can drop all the phony kiss-ass stuff, by the way. Wyatt probably loves it, but it's not necessary. You'll have to forgive Nicole's attitude. No, she doesn't. I'm not sorry for anything. Let's go. I bet we've only got four or five hours of daylight left to get to the beacon. And we've got to go a little slower than usual to get Heather acquainted with everything. I'm ready, Wyatt. It's a good thing your home is on this side of town, Heather. This whole endeavor is long enough. Enough chit-chat. You'll have to forgive Wyatt's attitude. 
Watch it, Nicole. All right. I'm sure you recognize the tank. Tell me what we're going to need, Heather. Okay. First you grab your oil tank backpack and your torch from the shed. Then you place your little tank on the ground below the spout of the actual tank. Fill it no less than 80% and no more than 95% full. So far, so good. What happens if the tank is empty? We have to go to the auxiliary tank near Town Hall and pull from the supply for the street lamps. Excellent. And how often is the tank refilled? I... um... At minimum, every four months, Christine and Edward each take a carriage out across the valley over to Big Pine and bring back about a thousand gallons of oil. Must cost an awful lot, right, Why? How much is too much for safety? You okay, Heather? Oh, yeah. I'm fine. You get used to the weight after a while. I've got the rifle, just in case. Shall we go, Heather? I think so. Are you sure? You've forgotten something almost as important as the oil. Oh, we... we have the torches, and we're all wearing boots, and... Make sure your canteen is full. Oh, right. Water, of course. (laughs) This isn't funny. This is life or death. Back when I first started as a walker, we forgot our canteens once. If you think this job is difficult now... Try it without water. You wouldn't make it a third of the way up the mountain before you'd consider taking a sip out of the oil on your back. I'm sorry, Wyatt. I didn't mean to laugh. Like, it was funny. It was more of a... It doesn't matter if you're sorry. Oh, would you lighten up a bit? Heather isn't going to be leading a team for a few years, at least. She doesn't have to get a perfect score on her first trip. Fair enough. Grab water and meet me at the base. We're leaving in five minutes. Hey, relax. It's okay. I'm trying. How old are you? Twenty. And how old do you think Wyatt is over there? I'm not sure. Forty-five? Forty-nine. That's an awful long time to dedicate to the beacon. It's all he's got, really. It would have sucked if you forgot the water, but that's why we travel in threes. It's much less likely we'll all forget the water. Wyatt, he likes being important. Or more accurately, feeling important. Don't let him intimidate you. It really isn't a big deal. How long have you been walking? Eight years. Have you ever seen them? Or heard them? (laughs) You hear tons of sounds on the mountain, but no more than you would in the woods behind your home. But they don't come that close to our homes, right? Not supposed to. Not while the beacon is lit. Or so they say. My mother says the beacon went out once when she was a little girl, but she hardly ever talks about them. Before my time. But I've heard some of those stories, too. Certainly sounded scary. What is taking so long? 
Heather had a few more questions. Be right there. I didn't mean to delay us. You worry too much. For all the talk of the beacon and the vori, this really is a spectacularly boring hike. The most exciting thing I've ever seen was lightning hitting a snow-filled tree two springs ago. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay then, here we go. Take note of this red marker. These are spaced every quarter mile. There are a few geographical markers, too, that help you to make sense of how much further you have to go. Up ahead on the left, see that sharp turn? We call that the Devil's Elbow. Gotta be real careful there in the winter months. Hug the left of the trail and you'll be fine. It's plenty wide. I can't see the beacon from here. It's so strange. I think I've always seen it and felt that it was seeing me. <laughs> it's, it's basically a giant campfire, Heather. It can't see you. <laughs> I know, but I like to think that it could. <laughs> Stand over here, Heather, and look between those two trees. If the wind blows just right, you'll be able to see part of the flames. It's much easier to see at night. Even if you don't see the beacon directly, you can see the illumination in the sky. Why would you do the walk at night? Isn't that... dangerous? <laughs> it gets real damn hot in the day, Heather. Oh, I can imagine. And then you've got to carry the torches and the, and the wildlife is more active and such. I told you before, you've got nothing to worry about. Why would you say that? That's not true. Come off it, why? We do our jobs right, and then there's nothing to worry about. It's not just us we're reliant upon. The mountaintop teams have to manage the oil and maintain consistency in the beacon. Burn too much? We might be out of oil before the next walkers arrive. Burn too little, the flames die. And we do not want to be in these woods if that happens. <laughs> like we'd be any safer in our homes. If the stories are true. They are true. We haven't exactly tested that theory in a few decades, have we? This isn't a laboratory, Nicole. We extinguish the beacon by choice or by circumstance, and we don't have a controlled environment to safely watch the consequences. People, real people, they die. Oh, sorry. One of these days, Nicole, your bravado is going to get someone hurt. Or worse. My bravado, he says. Hope nothing gets the scent of my bravado out there. Stop it. You're scaring Heather. <laughs> I'm scaring Heather? Wyatt, have you ever seen them? The Vori? When I was younger, a little bit younger than you, there was an accident on this trail. In those days, we didn't have walkers. They used a carriage. Took the horses up to the beacon once a month or so, with enough oil for the following month. Real simple. There was no tank at the bottom of the mountain. No auxiliary tank then either, 
as it was too expensive to get additional oil for the town when we needed it for the beacon. It was like that for as far back as I can remember. But all it took was one spooked horse for the whole party, tank and all, to go careening off the side of the mountain. We had no fail-safes. We were foolish, and we paid for it dearly. We nursed the beacon, tried to keep it alight with as little oil as we could while we sent for another carriage. But two days later, it finally went out. What happened? Nothing but a lot of terrified folks for about an hour. And then, as soon as people started to think that everything might be all right, that maybe we didn't need the beacon anymore, or maybe the Vori migrated elsewhere during all those years the beacon was lit, that's when we heard the cries and felt the earth move under those awful steps. My father was out guarding the town, watching and waiting for the next carriage to ensure that the next delivery to the top of the mountain went off without incident. So, he of course had our pistol. My mother and I sat just under a window near the front door. I was only armed with a bow and an arrow, but it would have to do. We didn't dare make a sound. Every once in a while, I'd muster enough courage to peer out onto the street to see where they were or where they might be headed next. But we didn't have street lamps. We didn't have the beacon. And the night sky didn't offer much help. A lot of words for a story where nothing's happening. It never felt like nothing was happening. Any minute, any second, they could be at our door. My mother and I, we stayed awake for as long as we could, but eventually we succumbed. And then, we were startled awake, the steps echoing on the wooden planks, the wood straining, an ear-splitting hawk-like cry. I readied my bow as best as I could from under the window. My mother sat so tight to the wall, she may have become part of it. It was a cold night. I tilted my head upwards to see the creature's breath upon the glass. Suddenly, the steps seemed to move further away. I carefully came to my feet and gazed outside. There they were, a whole pack of them. They gathered, continued their shrieks, and then they bolted every which direction. I dropped to the floor in fright, hoping and praying that my weight on the wood wouldn't attract their attention. So everybody left everybody alone and we all got on with our lives. Great story, Why? I was really riveted at the part where they went away and there was no consequences for the beacons extinguishing. I've been your walking partner long enough, Nicole. I've heard enough of your slander that I think it's time you heard the full story. That wasn't the full story? Jeez, Wyatt, we're coming up on Devil's Elbow. Wrap it up.
I've been told no homes were invaded that night. But not everyone was in their homes. My father and several others who worked tirelessly to get the beacon relit the following day, they never came home. I'm sorry, Wyatt. That's awful. <sighs> For what it's worth, me too. But here's the thing. Heather asked if you had ever seen the Vori. Me? I haven't. Not on this trail? Not in town? Never. But you say you have. Once. Under the shadow of darkness, in complete terror and exhaustion, through a dirty window across a street. Are you sure you saw them? They were tall. Long, terrible legs. Shorter torsos and arms that they used when sprinting, as a dog might. But they stood and walked on two feet. I never saw them head on. But I could tell when they turned their heads that a horned beak protruded from their face. You are right, Nicole. That it was dark. And I was as wary as I have ever been. But I know what I saw that terrible night. I know because I've seen those images every time my head hits the pillow and I close my eyes. Are you okay, Heather? Yes. Yes. Thank you. You too. Go on ahead. I'm going to stop for a moment. For some privacy. Thanks for letting us know. Great euphemism there. I'd have a lot more respect for you if you told it like it is. I have to take a shit. Well, I do. But mostly, I don't want to hear you doubt my story and my father's death any longer. So give me a moment, and I'll catch up with you. And we'll do our jobs. We don't have to like each other. How is that for telling it like it is? Come on, Heather. Give the man his space. I'm coming. What an ass. What about his story do you find so unbelievable? Why would he lie? I'm not saying he's lying. I'm sure he thought he saw those things. But, think about it. You've lived here your whole life, probably never been further than 15 miles from the center of town. Am I right? It might have been more than 15 miles. Oh, okay, Heather. Well, if it was 16 miles, that changes everything then. The point is, you've more or less been confined to this valley for your entire life. Have you ever even visited another town? No. Me neither. And we can see them. From atop this mountain, we can see for miles. We can see their lamps and the smoke from their roofs. But you know what I don't see? What? I don't see other beacons. Just ours. Well, that doesn't mean they don't need one. Maybe ours serves all the communities. <laughs> That's mighty convenient, isn't it? I'd believe it more if the other towns pitched in for the cost of oil. Heather, you ever meet someone from out of town? We get our oil from Big Pine, 
You ever meet somebody from there? I know you haven't, but I did. Once. A couple years ago. A man named Howard had to drive the carriage back on a delivery when our driver fell ill upon arrival in Big Pine. I was walking back down from the beacon, and I saw him when he came in. After he helped finish the delivery, Howard unhitched his horse from the carriage for his return trip, and I got to chatting with him for a minute. What did he say? He said, What you doing with all this oil in your tank way out here by its lonesome? I didn't know what to say. How could he ask that question? How could he not know? Maybe he... What if? Heather, isn't it possible that the beacon is based on a lie? That our elders made up these creatures to keep us bound here? To keep us scared? To keep us obedient? To maintain our traditions? Well, I'm not asking if you believe it. I'm asking you if it's possible, based on everything we know. Yeah. Yes, I suppose it's possible. Thank you. Hey, Nicole. Shouldn't Wyatt have been catching up with us by now? I don't see him on the trail behind us, and we've gone quite a ways. Should we circle back to get him? He can take care of himself. I'd feel better if we checked. Fine. But the sun is going down. We would have made it to the beacon by moonrise at this pace. But we won't if we turn back. You okay with that? Yeah. I can't leave Wyatt behind. Sorry. No, no. I understand. You've got your morals and what have you. There he is! And here I'll be. But you two need to get moving. And now. What are you talking about? What happened? Twisted my ankle on loose earth. I won't be finishing the walk tonight. But look, the sun has just set enough to tell. The beacon! It's out! Take this, and go! No sense wasting more time on me! If you hurry, you can light the beacon before sundown. I can't carry your bag, my bag, and the rifle. Leave your bag! Why? Because I pack extra supplies, in case of emergency. There's some firecrackers in there, and additional water. I think you should keep the rifle to fend for yourself. Noble of you. But if I hang on to it, it might protect one person at most. If you two take it, you won't be keeping only yourself safe, but everyone we know as well. If you get the beacon relit. Nicole and I can help you. We can support you while we walk. We'll be too slow. Wyatt, if you were still here after sundown, and before we fix the beacon... I know what I'm doing. And frankly, I don't think I have any other choice anyway. I'll carry the rifle. Sorry about your ankle, Why? Let's move you off to the side here against this stone. Light your torch after dark. 
Or if you think you're better off in the dark, maybe they won't see you. I don't know. But it won't come to that anyway. We'll straighten it all out and we'll get you on the way down. Thank you, Nicole. Now get going. Bye, Wyatt. Why'd you say that to him? About his torch? If you don't believe in all this, then why bother? Because he does believe in it all, Heather. And I'd rather let him go on believing that what we're doing means something if he's going to be fearing for death for the next few hours. Until we can see him again on the descent. Telling him he's full of shit now will accomplish nothing. How much further do we have to go? About an hour. Unless we really hustle. I think we should hustle. We're almost there. How are you holding up? Okay. Tired. Yeah. Usually this is a bit more leisurely. Did you hear that? Of course I heard it. It couldn't be... Do you think? Honestly, Heather, at this particular juncture, I don't much care what that was. We've got under half a mile to go, and I've got a loaded rifle. But it was probably a hawk. Right. What's the plan when we get to the beacon? First, we grab a hold of the mountaintop crew and ask them what in the hell happened. We plan our walking schedule to give at least a half a day before we should experience an oil shortage. So these morons were probably burning way too much oil, and I want to know why. Nicole, shouldn't our first priority be getting the beacon back on? We'll do that first. Then we'll get to the bottom of why it went out to begin with. I didn't say goodbye to my brother before we left. He hadn't come back from the lake yet with the night's catch for my family. I didn't get to say goodbye to my girlfriend either. She was out working in the market. So what? I wish I had. Heather, would you please take a moment to shut the hell up? What good is having regrets going to do you now, hmm? Unless your fear is making you walk faster. Keep it to yourself already. Fine. I'm going faster. You're being ridiculous. It's just... It's just the wildlife. Yeah? Then take your time. Heather! Slow down! I can see the beacon site! I'm coming. How do we... Where's the crew? Hey! Terry! Lance! Sydney! Why aren't they responding? Now how the hell am I supposed to know that? Come on, the quarters are this way. Hello? Nicole? There's nobody here. Is that why the beacon went out? Yeah, Heather, it is. I'll empty my tank. You can light the beacon after. No. Something's wrong. Oh, shit! This isn't adding up. 
There are fresh logs in that fireplace, but the beacon has been out for at least a few hours already. What are you saying? The crew abandoned their post recently? Something like that. Nicole, with all due respect, I don't care. I want the beacon lit now. Why didn't they try to relight it? Did they purposefully extinguish it? Maybe the goddamn Vori who are screeching up a storm outside right this very minute killed them. You ever think of that, you cynical ass? Suppose that happened. Where's the blood? Where are the signs of a struggle? Why haven't the creatures come back in by now and killed us? I don't know. I don't care. You want to light the beacon? Be my guest. The kindling is just outside that exit. Open the hatch to the beacon, use your torch to ignite the kindling, and there you go. Give me Wyatt's pack. I'll deposit his oil, too. What's that? It's a letter. Addressed to Wyatt. It's open. You're gonna make me light the beacon alone, on my first trip, while you read someone else's personal letter? How do you know it's personal? I could really use a hand here. I can't open the hatch and keep my torch lit. You are being... Retired? Rolling Hill thanks you for your many years of service. Make arrangements to stop your ascent just after Redmond Gap. Tell no one. Ah, I burned myself on the oil, damn it! Heather, Wyatt didn't hurt himself. This letter, he was being forced into retirement. What are you even talking about? Now I really can't do it all myself. My right hand is burned too badly. I can't hold anything. I need your help. He stayed there, halfway up the mountain with the beacon out. He must have thought it was suicidal, but he did it anyway. It might as well be suicidal if we don't save the beacon. Nicole, I'm begging you. Light the fire. I'll hold the hatch open, please. What if retirement is a sacrifice to the Vori? But then why would he have stayed there? To die? He wouldn't. He's too proud. I don't care! I mean, Heather, this is some coincidence. The beacon goes out for the first time in forever and Wyatt secretly retires at the same time. These have to be connected. He couldn't have extinguished the beacon from there, Nicole. But the mountain crew could have coordinated it. Whoever wrote this letter could have set it all up. For what purpose, Nicole? I don't know. And we'll never know if we light the beacon like they expect us to. But if we refuse to play the game, then we'll get answers. Are you sure you'll get the answers you want? I'm willing to find out. Heather and Nicole have put themselves and everyone they know up as collateral to the experiment they are about to conduct. They will either expose a conspiracy to keep their town hostage to fear, or prove why that fear was justified. The beacon sits, inactive. They gaze down the mountainside, looking for a sign of something amiss. 
Their eyes trace over one street lamp to another, the only lights remaining in an otherwise dark valley. This has been episode 13, The Beacon. This episode was written by Mark Zurich and directed by Elsbeth Denman. Heather was played by Shelby Rebecca Wong. Wyatt was played by Anthon Mondesir. Nicole was played by Elsbeth Denman. The narrator was played by Mark Zurich. Dark Valley is produced and edited by Elsbeth Denman. This podcast is recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. It is made possible by the generous support of our patrons at patreon.com, including Ryan Asthamer, Joshua Denman, Marianne Menjack, Ryan Bolter, Madeline Denman, Marsha Mandel, Elaine Gibson, Brett McLaughlin, and Michael Bowman. To learn more about our show, please visit darkvalleypod.com. This is the series finale of Dark Valley. It has been our privilege to bring these stories to you across 13 episodes and 43 actors. Thank you to our cast for your tremendous performances. Thank you to our guest writer for contributing a compelling story to Dark Valley. Thank you to our patrons for helping us to compensate our performers. And thank you, our listeners, for giving our homegrown anthology show a chance. This has truly been beyond our wildest expectations. We will always be here for you if you ever need an escape to Dark Valley.